0: our very own limitations, how are they formed, and how do we smash through them to discover our own limitless potential? This is the Limitless Man Podcast. Hey guys, it's Simon Crusoe here from limitlessman.com.au, a place where we challenge our own beliefs, Perceptions and limitations of what's possible in all aspects of our life. Uh, Today's guest is Justin Wiseman, coaching and consultant, head of the School of Wisdom. Uh, Justin was an addict through his mid 20s before waking up to the power of his own mind. He saw psychologists and took medication, but nothing he did uh, could seem to help with his depression, anxiety, and his diagnosis of PTSD. Uh, His journey within the medical and psychology industry left him with a lot more questions than answers, uh, leaving him completely unsatisfied with his current level of results. He then took matters into his own hands, leaving him to dive deep into many different fields from psychology, philosophy, neuroscience, biology, quantum physics. And many other areas where he linked up with great people and specialized thinkers such as Dr. John D. Martini, Michael Johnson, the Mojo Master, and many others. He's taught hundreds of people, including doctors, psychologists, health professionals, coaches, teachers, managers, the methodology to transform their clients, students, patients, teams, and employees' lives and personal performance. He's consulted and coached over 900 people to transform their traumas, mental and emotional barriers, and create personal clarity and life direction through courses, events, and individual programs. He's also worked with all types of issues from rape to mental delusions, addictions, depressions, anxieties, relationship breakups, shames, guilt, resentments—you name it. <laughs> Welcome, Justin. How you going, buddy?
1: Thanks, mate. Great intro. Thanks, fella. I hope That
0: served you well, my friend.
1: <laughs> I was grinning the whole time, <laughs> so I think not good. Hey, yeah. mate.
0: I want to like obviously that's a pretty uh, pretty full on intro. Obviously, you know you're a pretty successful coach in your own right. Just want to know, you know, how, how did you come to this point? I want I want you to sort of tell tell us your your story, so to speak. Just mm-hmm. summarise your story and I guess how you ended up here in this space.
1: Yeah. So. How early do you want me to start? I guess that's the question. Um, Whatever you want to
0: do, man. Go for it. Well, I
1: guess if I really, if I want to go back to the start, start, really I've had an interest in human behavior from quite a young age. So um, I remember the actual moment that it really started. So I was in prep, so I was in primary school and uh, we were playing Kiss Chasey. So we got together and the girls decided they wanted to play Kiss Chasey and so I was obviously the first person who was the chaser and um, I was chasing this girl named Claire and I caught her and I gave her a kiss, right? So that's, that's the whole idea of kiss chasey. So I caught her, gave her a kiss. Yeah. And um, about a minute later, I had a teacher come over to me and uh, tell me off for like kissing the girl because Claire had dubbed on me. Yeah. And I remember in that moment thinking like, why would she do that? Why would people do that? Why would people make it this Decision and decide to do one thing, and then when the consequence occur, they then go and decide another. And you know, obviously, in child thought, not quite that thought, but um, and so I started questioning why did people do what they do at, at, at that age. Um, and so that's something that's been with me for most of my life. Well, yeah, since that age, and maybe I was interested in it beforehand. I'm not 100 sure, but that's the moment that's um, really pivotal for me where I remember starting to question that stuff. Um, And so from that point forward, I guess if we want to jump forward a few years, I'm not going to go through my whole um, childhood and then through my teen years, but I guess one of the real key pivotal points was when I got into my 20s. So like my teenage years were pretty, pretty normal. The most teenagers, I was right into sports and stuff like that and loved to perform. So um, love football, love tennis, won premierships, done all that sort of stuff. And that was really my thing. It was just like physical performance. Um, but looking back at it now as well, I was really interested in understanding, like, how to push myself and get past, I guess, what was going on mentally even back then. Um, but where it really all sort of changed and where I dived into the psychology and all that type of stuff it was pretty much the moment that you just spoke about before. So it was due to, like, my own um, disappointment in regards to the psychology field and the um, mental health field and then the way that doctors would treat it. Um, you know, I've been on many different medications. so um i can't even remember the name of them now but like srm uh, sris which are like serotonin reuptake inhibitors are nrmis so neurotransmitter reuptake inhibitors etc so i've been like tried it all and i and i found that a lot of them just made me feel numb um and made me feel less of a human being than what i was actually feeling when i was going through like the depression and the anxiety and the um ptsd as well so i've been diagnosed with that um because I had an event when I was a bit younger that um caused a fair bit of trauma for me so um so that kind of led me to wanting to go down this path um but at the same time I was also um, using methamphetamines to kind of deal with the shit that was going on in my life so I had a whole cocktail and mix of drugs and shit that I was on so um was some were self-medicated and some was obviously <laughs> doctor medicated. Um, but there's one really key pivotal moment uh, which really rings rings true to me in regards to like why I started to really deep dive here. And it was one uh, one night. It was about three o'clock in the morning, so I was about three a.m. and I'd left uh, my dealer's place and I came home and I said to myself on the way home like I wasn't going back. Yeah, and I think that's a common fight that most people go through. Um, that I've spoken with and I know my friends at the time went through the same things was like, there's this inner knowing that, you know, what you're doing isn't serving you. Like you tend to know it. You kind of feel guilty about it. You kind of feel ashamed about it. And there's this part of you that knows that you're greater. So like I used to fight with that a lot, but this, this night was a bit different. I was like, Hey, this is a night where like, like I felt like I'd got my, like was over the threshold. I was like, this is enough. Like enough is enough. So I went home and obviously I've been, you know, on the gear and um, I didn't get much sleep. But I told myself, like, I'm not getting up and going the next morning. That's what I said to myself. I kept saying it to myself. Now, what's really interesting about what happened the next morning was that it was like I totally disassociated out of my body. It's like I had no control anymore over my own actions. So it's like being, the passenger, like being in the passenger seat of the car and trying to, like, accelerate, brake, turn the steering wheel. That's, what, that's exactly what it was like. It was like I was sitting there. I could speak. So it's like I could speak to the driver and tell them what to do but the driver chooses to listen or not to listen when you're in the passenger seat
0: yeah
1: and that's exactly what it was like um i got up and i was like fighting myself i was like yelling at myself in my own head like you're not going like stop and i got up got dressed went to my dealer's place and and sort of the rest is history and, and got on it again and and that there that moment there made me then really question really deeply like how the how can you be in yourself, but not in control of yourself, right? Like, it's like you're there, but you're not there. It's like you may as well be up here watching yourself and it may as well be a TV show. Um, And so that was a real pivotal point for me in regards to like really wanting to understand like the psychology. So I'd always been interested in human behaviour and why people do what they do, but I hadn't really been like super deep dived or been super interested in the actual like psychology side of things. Yeah. like how can those things occur um and so from there um you know i made a decision to to try and take control of this stuff myself um and so i pretty much you know with, with some help from uh like finding my partner and things like that um but none of the none of the i guess traditional methods that i tried really helped me um but the key point was like that point there, and it kind of made me make a decision on what I wanted to do and how I wanted to change my life um, just by digging into that. And so I took control and took charge of, of my own, um, I guess, rehabilitation uh, from that point there, from that point forward. So it was a bit, bit of a wake-up call to realize that you can be in your own body, but you can't control your own body. Yeah. You can be in your own body and you can't control your own thoughts. Yeah. Um, so that was kind of the starting point to where I am now. That was, would have been in 2000 and, well, how old am I now? So what year is it? 20, 20, 21. 21, so man. the 2021. <laughs> um, that would have been in like, well, we're, we're talking like 2007, maybe that yeah. was? okay. Yeah. So, so what's that, like 16 years ago, is, it? is that right? Yeah. Something like that. That yeah. might be wrong. I'm not a mathematician. So. Yeah. Um,
0: 14, yeah,
1: 14 years yeah 14 years yeah so there you go so 14 years ago so from about 14 years ago that's when I really made a decision to start to dig into this stuff and start to take control of myself and my life um without the requirement of external you know like medication etc and so that's when I started to study psychology got into um like looking into different people in regards to like personal development and personal growth um, and started to go down that path at around that age but I think it was more books and stuff early on than it was actually going and um, seeing people because I'd seen psychologists and stuff before so I felt like there was a little bit of trust that I didn't have anymore yeah I I also just want to make a point here I'm not against psychology or medication I think there's a time and place for all of that Um, it just didn't work on my journey it wasn't it was a part of my journey but it definitely didn't help me um, get to where I wanted to get to and and reach who I knew I was capable of being by going down that road. Um, yeah. So that's that's a little bit about my backstory. And I guess from there, uh, where I am today, I guess my journey's been... Well, I was a mechanic. So I think, you know, you already know that. So I was a mechanic. Yeah. Obviously, the audience doesn't know that. So I was a mechanic as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. And through that, I... Was really inspired by helping the boys in the team to actually reach their potential, um, and helping the, them to the actually. Sorry, can I just say?
0: So you're going through this while you're a mechanic? This whole transition is happening.
1: So that, So what I just spoke about before, when I was. Um, so, I, I and, um, yeah, so I did an apprenticeship years before, and yeah, so did an apprenticeship years before, and started my. I guess I was around 21 when I started dabbling with drugs. Um, I had an event happen in my life um, at that age that like just threw me completely off the, like, yeah, just like, I just didn't know how to deal with it. I didn't have the emotional intelligence. I didn't have the the capacity to know how to handle that situation um, mentally and emotionally. And it kind of threw me off the rails. It, it basically took away everything I thought I knew and everything I thought I was was gone in that that moment. Um, so it was kind of the catalyst for the whole sort of next five to eight year journey. Um, so I was a mechanic beforehand, um, but I obviously stopped working. Um, not for long. I tried to keep a job the whole time. So that was still something that I focused on strongly. I felt like I needed like that part of me. But at the same time, I also know too that um, That's always been a part of me. Like, I've worked most of my life. I think I had my first job when I was around 12. Um, so, yeah, so I was a mechanic beforehand. But then, once I, you know, from 2008 on, met my partner, we ended up moving to Adelaide away from the town that I lived in. Um, I got a good, stable job there. And I just really focused on that while I was focusing on my own, like, healing journey and learning journey and, um, like, surrounding myself with new people as well. I think that's something that, um, is quite underrated even though in the personal development space a lot of people talk about you're the sum of the five people that you hang around and you're the average of them etc yeah i think it's really underrated especially in when people are looking to transform themselves from wherever they are now to wherever they want to be whether that's like away from addiction to you know wherever they want to be after that um you know whether that's like in business or in um you know you so like social groups in regards to like the things that you're doing socially etc i think it's massively underrated and it was definitely a massive um transformational step for me to just get surrounded by the around the right people um, so yeah we moved to adelaide and then that's when i really progressed on my journey in regards to like moving into the personal development space but um i'm sorry into like the coaching space but the transition that happened at the I was a mechanic as well was that I started off just mechanicing I just went in and got the job um, and just put my heart and soul into it so I was like always the first there last one to leave and ended up in a position like the foreman position uh, just because of the effort and energy I was putting in and my desire to just consistently keep learning in that space as well so I think I just was going through this huge stage and I still do now just wanting to learn and be like excel at everything I did because I felt like I'd kind of burnt or wasted part of my life through that period where I had the addiction, Um, which now when I look at it, I don't like, I don't believe that's true, but back then I definitely believed that that was true and it kind of drove me to be a greater individual and to put my heart and soul into everything I did. And so got into the position of foreman and that's where I feel like I really got to put into action and test things in regards to like psychology and how to help people perform and how to get teams operating effectively together. And, um, and what I really learned from that man was like, one of the key, key things that I think a lot of businesses miss is that in order to get a team to perform, every single individual needs to be aligned and every single individual needs to know why they're there and what they're, what they're there to do in regards to their personal mission and purpose. Yeah. um, Versus like just there as a number in the company. And when that all clicked together, and that was that was something that I helped um, do in that that business there, and we got the culture right just by doing that. It ended up forcing all the old people out. We got all these people performing, and we, you know, we we um like our productivity efficiencies, the money the business was making, everything shot up. And yeah. so that there was a that there was a real um like one of the first real key points where I was like, I fucking love like helping people perform, but also helping people get past their roadblocks and um, getting really clear on who they are and understanding their psychology and understanding um, that they're not limited by their past that the shit that they've had go on that whether they that, you know that the labels they put on themselves whether they think they're depressed anxious um, you know suffered from specific things in their past um, that that's not their limit that's actually their um, you know in order to help them grow and learn and, and a lot of people limit themselves by that and so through that part there, that was really the thing that made me realise, fuck, people really don't see their own potential based on their mental and emotional um, challenges, but also the labels they put on themselves and their identity that they attach to themselves when it comes to those things. You know, when they identify as depressed or they identify as being, um, you know, a victim of some sort of crime or they identify as that, it becomes who they are and they, a lot of people are afraid to let go of that, So, which, which is their limit. Um, but it's also a part of who they are. So that was one of the key things that I realized working there was that all these people were limited by this stuff, but but their potential far outweighed their limitations. They're, you know, and, and so that was that. And then I, you know, you know I work, I met you through the Mojo Master when I was working for Michael Johnson. Yeah. He was a pretty strong pivotal point for me. Yeah. Um in the transformation of my life in regards to like shattering a lot of a lot of stuff that I believed Um, and
0: I want to get to that in a sec too. I'll let you finish, but go on. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Like shattering a lot of the stuff that I believed and Then, um, you know, I wanted to work with him. So put my head down, bum up, um, set the goal and the intention to work with him and um, ended up working with him for free for a few months and ended up with a job with Michael. Um, So worked with Michael for four years and learned a lot, helped a lot of people, taught, got to teach, got to coach, got to do everything I loved. And then yeah. um, earlier this year, I ended up going out on my own. So I stepped out on my own earlier this year.
0: Well, well done, man. Kudos. Yeah, and, uh, yeah I, I have known you for a few years and uh, I, I'd classify you as a, you know, human behavior specialist, you know, so to speak. And you, you just made a comment then that resonated with me. You said that, you know, Michael smashed what you believe. So he basically challenged your whole what you believe was true in in your whole life and and that's probably like in all areas of life. So I want to go I want to now touch on like belief systems, right? Because this is something that well this has changed my life, right? Just being aware of this has made me question everything that I know. But you know, belief systems themselves, you know, how they're formed, Justin, um, how we actually make decisions every day, how we filter through information, because obviously, you know, the world is especially these days, I mean, you know, we live in a very, very noisy world now. So there's information coming at us at a hundred miles an hour, probably more so than ever. And, you know, we have to, or our brains have to navigate through this noise. And then through that, we've got to make sense of the world, you know, and um, we obviously have to somehow come up with a perception of what's going on. Uh-huh. How does that happen? Right. Because my understanding is that the, The fundamental belief system, the way we filter the world is a system that develops from when we're born to the age of about seven and eight. Uh Um, I'll let you sort of touch on that. You're going to know more about me than that. But um, how does it work? How how are the belief systems formed and and why should we question them?
1: So when you look at belief systems, the way they're formed really is that There's a certain point in our life, so when we're born, it's really like our beliefs come almost down to like morals and ethics, right? It's like things that we perceive are right and things that we perceive are wrong. We believe certain things because we perceive they're right. We believe certain things, believe other things because we perceive they're wrong, right? And so if you look at religion as an example, like religion is a set of morals and ethics that we take on as beliefs, This is right, that's wrong. That's wrong, this is right. You do this and you're saintly, you do this and you're a sinner, right? And so we create beliefs based on what our authority figures in our life have said yes to and have said no to, right? So beliefs are really like a a, a moral moral structure. Um, So the way they're formed is that from like from zero to like one or two, and look, I'm going to go, beyond like the zero potentially beyond the zero to seven thing here because um i've heard that as well and i can see the relevance and i'm not saying it's right or wrong i just Mm. i look at it in a different way so i'm not saying that's correct because correct or not correct but i understand it because zero to seven is usually the the main fundamental people in your life but it's also a certain stage in your life where you have specific brain waves right where you're just kind of taking everything in Without actually challenging every anything, so it's kind of like that's the time you get programmed. So, I, so I understand where that sort of concept comes in um, to it. But from zero to zero to two, and look, I I'll, I'll try and make this short because I don't want to spend yeah. 45 minutes just explaining yeah. this. Yeah,
0: don't get too scientific for the audience. Yeah,
1: I'm like, I'll, so from <laughs> zero to two, from <laughs> zero
0: to, to two. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. So it's like zero to one. You're, you're yeah you're you really don't get t- told no to anything right y- yeah. you kind of just like feed you you go to the toilet your mum supports you, you you know your mum's your main figure from zero to one even maybe, maybe zero to two even later so you're not getting told no to anything it's like there's no no's no one says no it's like okay cool like you might be picking up information from the outside world but you don't really have the motor functions either to act on that right so there's no real action. And so you never really get told no to anything. It's like you cry and mum or dad's trying to figure out what's wrong in order to calm you down. And so there's, there's none of that in that stage. It doesn't mean that things aren't being picked up because they are. Because it's like if I cry a certain way, mum will look after me a certain way. And so from our outside world, we pick up this idea or perception that, okay, well, if I cry like this, mum will look after me. You know, I'm this in, a, in an ideal world, right? You know, different things happen in different family dynamics. So um, I'm just going to run it with the ideal world, um, but then you get to, to one, and let's say you start crawling around and walking around. Mum starts to say yes and no, 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 yes, no, yes, no, right? And so you start to inject the values and the and what mum believes to be good and bad, right and wrong, by the yeses and nos. Yes, you can do this. No, you can't do that. Or by the like the tonality or the aggression. Right, and so it's you start to to pick up the things that are good and the things that are bad based on what mum says yes and no to, right, and then and then it also starts to become dad at that age as well, right. So um, dad is also one of those figures, but you know, like Bubs mom, tends to spend most of the time with mum from zero to two, right. Um, but then as you get older, it's like dad. So your dad starts to say yes and no, and you start to push dad's button, and you're hanging around him more. And so yes, there's a noise there. And so you start to inject dad's values as well. Um, but then also it's like you get, get a bit older and you start to go to kindergarten. You start to go to school. You might start going to church. So then you've got like your teachers. You've got preachers. You've got there's school ground as well. So you've got the, the teachers at the school, which is all different ideas. Um, so you, you start to pick all this stuff up from your environment around you based on the things that are good, and bad
0: yeah
1: right so if mom so, so let's give an example of religion it's like it's better to give than to receive right as a religious context well that's a good so therefore it's a if they don't have that belief challenged right it's better to give than to receive okay cool so i believe that that's a good good belief right and therefore unconsciously Therefore, if I'm not giving, I feel bad. I feel guilty if I'm not giving because of this idea or belief that I've had injected into my life about religion. Um, And so therefore I can go through my life for a long period of time feeling like I have to give give to everyone in order to be a good person even though I feel like shit about myself because I'm giving myself up. So if you look at the beliefs, those beliefs and stories that are created around your actions are, uh, are kind of also what's being told to you around things. Right, so, so just because mom says yes or mom says no, you may not have any, like you have no content or context to a certain, certain point to understand what that means until mom tells you a story around it or dad right. tells you a story around it or your brother tells you a story around it or you witness it and you create your own story around it. And that's where your beliefs come in, right? So like the good and bad are like the perceptions, but then the stories are the beliefs that you create around those perceptions, um, so, so then they end up like being stored subconsciously, all these beliefs that you have, which are just really polarized perceptions. Now, you know, we might dive into that a bit later, um, get stored subconsciously and they run you, you know, um, and therefore you end up, you know, spending your whole life being unconsciously or subconsciously on say unconsciously, subconsciously ran by beliefs, um, that tend to serve you to a specific point in time. So if we're a child, when mum says, um, uh, let's say, for example, when mum says running down the street by yourself is a bad thing, right, and mum gets angry when I do that, therefore, I'm safe if I don't do it, therefore, running down the street is a bad thing, that serves me, right? That means mum's not going to get angry. She's going to look after me. She's going to potentially, you know, (laughs) hopefully still feed me. She's not going to be cross, but eventually the belief that going down the street is a bad thing is going to become a hindrance. Like what are you going to do for the rest of your life? Stay in your house? Like hide away? Right? So, so there becomes a certain point where these beliefs or ideas that you yeah. pick up based on, um, based on authority figures in your life are no longer of service to you. Now ones will just sort of naturally drop away because through your somatic experience you just realise this is bullshit. Like this isn't actually yeah. really true you know um so some of them tend to drop away like there's things that we just don't remember um that we could have been challenged by or like if you look through your teenage years or even your early years there's things that you probably believed i.e santa claus i.e the easter bunny That all of a sudden you go what the fuck like that's not that doesn't make sense like you, you you crack the bias or you crack the belief yourself around it eventually when like there's no information to even support that Right, so so the belief kind of just like, oh okay, cool. Like, um, shit, I just remember when my kids were out
0: there. Yeah. <laughs> uh,
1: anyway, yeah. um, <laughs> dad just ruined everything. Yeah,
0: um, wanna, That's it.
1: So 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 some you'll eventually just shatter yourself. Yeah, yeah. Um, then then, but some you'll just hold on to, and you won't even know. What on? Um, to. Like,
0: Yeah, what what I wanted to ask you, right, was the science of perception, right? So I want you to explain this, right, because, you know, like one thing that I've learned, right, is that it's not that what happens to us, it's how we perceive what happens to us, Mm -hmm. right? So you could have two people go through the same scenario, the same situation. You know, there's an old wives' tale or story about, you know, the two sons that are born to the alcoholic father, you know, and one becomes an alcoholic, the other one becomes you know, wildly successful, runs, you know, multi-level businesses, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, they, they ask me the question, why are you the way you are? And the answer is the same because of my father. Right. So can you sort of touch on that a bit? Because, you know, I think that's important because a lot of the time we blame the things that happen to us. Right. And I know I've done that many times, you know, it's, it's your circumstances, it's this happened, you know, and then it's the excuses and, and everything else, which obviously then traps you into a, you know, very limited mindset. You know, you've got a limited idea of what it is you can actually do with your life, you know, based on, well, this thing happened to me. So how do I, that's why, that's why I can't do X, Y, Z, you know? So how is it that two people with exactly the same experience can have two completely different outcomes and beliefs as to what actually happened in their life?
1: So, there's kind of two, there's definitely two parts to this answer. So, there's definitely the perception part, but there's also value systems as well, right? So, so there's two dynamics at play here. So, if we look at perceptions in itself, let's say that we've got an external situation, like, and and it could be anything, an external environment. Um, But we'll use a situation, just any situation, doesn't matter. Let's just say there is one. What happens is when we, perceive that situation so so um what happens is it filters into our brain and it filters through our value system it filters through our uh past experiences and beliefs it filters through our what what i just spoke about before so like there's those moral structures as well which is part of the beliefs um and i'll come back to beliefs a bit later because i wanted to touch on something that i didn't quite get to as well Um, but there's then the um like the moral structures as well so like religion etc that we filter it through um and then we also have like our, yeah so i said our past experiences so our memories etc so whenever we see or experience something um sorry once i say see whenever we perceive so when i talk about perceive as well it can be sight smell taste touch sound so it doesn't necessarily have to be c so you know when i say see, that's what i mean if i mix it up but i'm really meaning perceiving so we filter it through all those things And then when we filter it through those things, and so this is something we aren't conscious of, when we filter it through all those things that we've we've got stored in our psychology, um, we create what's called a ratio of perceptions, right? So a ratio of perceptions is something that is conscious and unconscious in the moment of perception based on the filter system that we run it through. So what I mean by that is that if I was to say Simon if you had an experience and I was to give you a piece of a couple pieces of paper and I was to say to you okay on one side I want you to write the good things or the benefits that came out of this and I want you to write the drawbacks that came out of this and I just slapped them on a piece of paper and I said I don't want you to overthink it I just want you to write what's there yeah and you give me 14 negatives and you give me two positives of the situation right that's giving you an indication of the, the the ratio of perceptions that you have in your mind, which is seven negatives or seven to one, seven to one negative to positive, which that will then give you an indication of the uh, physiological feedback that you have, which could be, you know, like, like seven to one, like you might be feeling depressed, depends on the situation, right? Depression, you could have anxiety then projected in the future. Um, So you will have a physiological feedback from that. Um, that's how you put. So sorry, I've, I've gone into physiology now. So your perceptions create the physiological feedback that you feel, which is the emotions. So emotions, most people mistake as the the problem, but they're not. It's like anxiety is a problem, depression is a problem, the the stress that I feel is a problem. No, it's not the problem. That's actually a symptom of the ratio of perceptions that you have in your mind. So when you have, let's say the kids and dad's an alcoholic. <clears throat> And, and let's say each child has their own set of value system, right? And look, we could deep dive into how that's created, but basically it's just each, each child will have their own individual values based on what's most important to them and what's not, and what they perceive mm-hmm. is missing and what isn't. Yeah. Just as a, like, as a quick overview. So both of those children are both filtering their reality through what I just said before, their values, their experiences, their past charged emotions or things that have happened to them in the past or so their memories and those, um, those morals and ethics that then picked up. Now, if one child has a high value on, so let's get a bit more specific here. So let's say there's a, there's a situation where um, dad, you know, dad's, you know, you say dad's an alcoholic, but let's say that there's a situation here where um, one of the kids or the kids are fighting. Right, and dad yells at both of the kids. Right, so so the the, the perception is not the story. The perception is in that specific moment, dad dad raised his voice at us. Right. Yeah. Now let's say that one of those kids sees it as like a really bad thing. Right. Goes, oh, dad's always like under supporting me, always yelling at me, always mean to me. One kid goes. One kid filters his reality and goes. Well, I needed to be called out on that. I needed some accountability. I needed that.
0: How does that happen? How does that happen?
1: The difference—it's the filter. It's the it's the it's the filtration system that you have. Yeah. Right. So, So it's it's the filtration system through your values, because then the other things. Because let's say, for example, if one child perceives that support is, um dad's speaking nicely to me and kindly to me. And, and one child perceives has an idea that support is like accountability and calling me out when things aren't um, like when I'm not actually being my best self. Therefore, one will perceive challenge and one will perceive support. Yep. Right. Another example, let's not use that, could be that dad has two boys. One of them loves football. One of them hates football. Dad forces both boys to play football. One child thinks dad's a fucking asshole because he forced me to play football. Yeah. One child loves dad because he drove him to play football. Why are you great? What? It's like it's like you know it's like why are you great at football because of my dad, right? You know why are you terrible at whatever? Well, it's because of my dad. Why is your life so good? It's because of my dad. Why is your life so bad? It's because of my dad.
0: Yeah, okay, I get you. Right. So
1: so so that's probably the simplest way to without diving yes, into science. The simplest way to put it. Like, it's like, well, dad drove us both to play football. One child hated footy, one loved footy. One's going to thank dad when he's playing AFL. One might hate dad because he feels like dad never supported him and gave all the love to the other son because the other son played football. Right? And so you've got one dad, one who perceives him as an over-challenger, another one who perceives mm-hmm. him as a support. Yeah. Um, and so, therefore, you have two different total experiences and perceptions that's why you can have, you know, like you said, you can have a whole household or a whole family where where every single individual has a different perception of the of their parents. You know, it's like my what are you talking about? Like I hear this a lot. Like I do hear this a lot actually. They're like, I've spoken to my brother or sister about it, and they like they don't ever remember my mom or dad being like that, which is weird. I'm like, no, it's not, it's just their perception.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Right? And then coming to it, like another simple way to put it is like, um you know, you can have an event that occurs and you have 10 people in the room. Now, each one of those 10 people is going to have different value system, different beliefs, different past experiences. And then whatever this event that's happened in front of them, I'm going to guarantee that you've got 10 people. You're most likely going to have one person who perceives it at an extreme, like, emotional event. So it's, like, extremely bad. And so they create these big stories around it based on their past experiences. Someone else might think it's the greatest thing ever that they've ever seen because of their values and past experiences and the way they feel it supports their values. Then you're going to have an array of people in the middle and some people just won't even, like, a totally indifferent to it. They feel nothing about it. They're just like, oh, whatever. Whereas you have people who are highly charged one way, people who are highly charged the other. Um, and that's all based on their perceptions, how they feel to the world.
0: So if we want to change our perception,
1: mm-hmm
0: of the world, say something's not serving us anymore, like we have this belief, because of dad, X, Y, and Z, and, you know, I can't, I couldn't do this because of dad. How do we change that? Like, what are the steps? What's the first step we have to go through to actually change that? If it's no longer serving us, Mm -hmm. what do we do?
1: Well, the thing is, is that if you're holding on to it, you've... So if you're holding on to it, it is serving you. There comes a point where you... Where you realise that maybe this is my limitation, right? So, so first, I just want to make the point that if you're doing something, it doesn't matter how fucked up you think it is. It's because it has, like, it can be drugs, it can be alcohol, it can be, it, it can be whatever, it can be anything. There's a, there's a reason why you're doing it. The most fucked up things that you can think of, there's benefits as to why you're doing it, even when you're not doing it yeah uh, sorry even if you don't want to be doing it there's reasons why under underneath it all at a at a subconscious level there's things driving you to do that but if you but but firstly it just depends like because it's a very broad sort of question but um really you need to understand or discover um what's specifically like driving that thing so so you need to be really clear on what's created that belief system or that perception well dad's an asshole. okay it's very broad and general okay well what specifically makes you perceive that your dad's an asshole? well he did this 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 yeah okay so all those things which you ask that question about which could be well he yelled at me he um he he hit me he um he um pushed my mum around he did this so you've got these series of perceptions of things that he did that you perceive are more drawbacks and benefits, therefore you label him an asshole. Right? So you need to understand what they are first before you can even change any of that stuff. Right? If you if you, that's the first thing, you need to know what those things are you're judging in him. So we, we, we'll talk about dad, because that's where we've been. You need to know what you're judging in your dad in order to be able to then resolve those things. Right? Because if that's your limitation, you need to be able to resolve them first in order to move past that um if that's what's keeping you trapped and then from there there's obviously processes that we can do to help people to resolve that stuff um and work through those perceptions yeah because because really coming back to what i said earlier when i started on the perception stuff the emotions that you feel example towards dad let's say it's anger resentment frustration I hate the dude. Like you'll hear it in people's language as well. Like your language. Oh, that's what I forgot to mention. You also filter it through language, um, because the way that someone experiences the outside world, you'll be able to tell by the way they speak about it. So let's use dad again. It's like, well, dad's a asshole because he did this. You know straight away that they've got a highly charged perception on their father of who knows, like you know, seven, ten to ten to ten to one perception ratios on their dad that is allowing you to understand, well, they're highly emotive, right? Their emotions flare up straight away. Their autonomic nervous system fires off and yeah. they get a feeling in their body or an emotion in their body, um, which triggers them off, right? And so people call them triggers, you know, like in, in depending on if you've had experience in this space or not, a lot of the time, most people know what a trigger is, right? Most people have felt a trigger. It's like someone says something to them and they get, they get like a, a rush of emotion and then they kind of like blow out, they kind of get triggered. Um, so once you understand that stuff, like the process is then about um, helping those individuals to take the tr- like the trigger away.
0: Yeah.
1: Right. Um, and that isn't by um, like some bullshit and pretending it didn't fucking happen and disassociating yourself. Yeah. It's It's about... Asking specific questions in order to get that individual to come to a balanced perspective in their mind and in their body. Um, And so this is where the perception ratios come in because you want to bring your perception ratios back to a one-to-one. So if it's like, you know, 18 benefits to two drawbacks, oh, sorry, 18 drawbacks to two benefits, well, then there's a way out of balance perception ratio. So then, the process is about getting them back into balance because one effect through your psychology, your psychology will start to balance out. Excuse me, and then you're also then to balance out your physiology. And so this, you re- this resolve this, the emotion.
0: Is this possible for everyone to do this? Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, regardless of the trauma, obviously, you know, when I went through your info, you know, we're talking about stuff like rapes, mental delusion, addictions, depressions, you know, massive anxieties, and a lot of this stuff will be snubbed on, you know, by the you know, the the traditional, um, you know, medical industry, which oh, I can understand, you know, but, I mean, there's, there is a way to break down our perceptions just through, you know, drilling down into a series of questions really, right, and, mm-hmm. you know, stacking the positives and the negatives as to what, how these things actually served us to then move mm-hmm. out of these perceptions, which is that, is that fair to say?
1: Yeah, like, in a simple form, yeah. Yeah. yeah 100%. It doesn't it, it doesn't matter what you've been through, you can resolve it. Yeah. It doesn't matter.
0: It's pretty hard. People listening to this might, you know, might say, well, fuck, you know, I've been through... You don't understand, Justin, you know. My life's different to yours, you know. I've been through this and
1: this all... to me, blah, blah, blah,
0: you know. Like I'm, yeah. You've heard all that before, have you?
1: 100%. I've heard it all. This is yeah. you know, like... You know, I've been through this, and look, here's the thing: if people don't want to move beyond it, I'm not. It doesn't like that's their journey. I'm not going to yeah. say it's a good or a bad thing, but um, you've got to have courage to do this. Um, and it doesn't matter what you've been through; you can resolve it. It's all perception. It's literally a science. This isn't like you know pretending to resolve it, and like like it's literally science. It's a specific science that will help you resolve whatever you've been through. That yep. doesn't mean that doing the work isn't hard. That isn't what this, that's not what I'm saying either. Yep. You know, I think the longest time I've had someone answer one question took me an hour and four minutes before they could answer. Yeah. It took me an hour and four minutes to get one answer out. Now, one answer isn't enough to resolve anything. But it took me an hour and four minutes. One person was that polarised. Took me an hour and four minutes. They fighting. They were fighting. It took me an hour and four minutes to get the first answer. Yeah, wow. Um, you know, and I've heard uh, John talk about it. So for those of you who don't know, someone who I'd advise um, potentially looking up is Dr. Demartini. Um, I think the longest it's taken him is he, he had one that took him over two hours to get one answer out of. So depending on how hard people want to fight and hold on to stuff is how how, um, how challenging it'll be to get people to answer the questions. Yeah, right. That's what it comes down to. Like it comes down to how much do you actually want to resolve it? and grow in your own life because what most people don't realize is that is that the reason why they keep recycling these things in their head is because it's imbalanced your brain's trying to get you to see both sides um if you keep reliving an experience then it's because it's imbalanced now the brain is uh, and the mind is super um is like an amazing thing so the interesting thing is is that I guess the way to put this for people to understand is that everyone's had an experience in their life, which they thought was like really fucking fucked up, right? It Could be a relationship breakup. It could be we've all um, had
0: we've all had it, yeah, something. Yeah,
1: we've all had it, like loss of a job, loss of an income. You know, we've all had something like that we, that we thought that was terrible at the time. Now, you it could be five years, could be ten years. Um, in this example, it could be five or ten years and you look back at that and you go fuck thank you for that that was like yeah, isn't it amazing that i needed right? I'll tell you what, yeah it was yeah, yeah yeah it was fucked up yeah it was fucked up but yeah. at the same time it was like perfect like thank you yeah. and we've all yeah. had those experiences yeah. right
0: yeah that's because cool.
1: the, the yeah because the mind intu- intuitively um, is looking to bring you back into equilibrium is looking to show you both sides yeah right so your intuition that's what the intuition is actually designed to do the intuition is actually a a system designed in order for you to bring it back bring your mind back into balance it's it's not the thing that most of most of the um coaches and stuff out there say it is it isn't that intuition in your psychology is Is what's bringing you back into equilibrium. Yeah, that's why you you have experiences or um, not experiences. Sorry, that's why you have something occur, and it's running time in your mind, like time and spacing. And it's like, oh, that was a good thing that happened out of it. It kind of like just pops in. That's your intuition showing you the other side. That's that's your actual intuition. So. So everyone's had those experiences. We've also had the opposite. We thought something was terrific. And then we look back on it, and we go, fuck, like I wish, like, like I can see fine. how that was fucking terrible in that. Yep. Right? Yep. But yep. here's the thing, right? A lot of people say that t- it takes time to heal. I say bullshit. All time does is give you time um, to stack the other side of that experience. It's yep. your intuition revealing it to you. Now, some people spend their whole fucking life because they're so polarized that they, that never occurs for them. They have an event that happens to them at 20 years of age, they end up at 80 years of age still talking about that shit, still trapped by it, right? Now, I don't want to take away from, from the fact that people have experiences that they deem as terrible. I'm not, yeah. not here to, to really take away from that. Um, but what I am here to do and, and reveal is that you don't have to wait over time. You can literally have the power within you in order to resolve that in minutes, days, hours, or weeks.
0: what he's saying is there's two sides to every coin, every experience, everything that we perceive is happening in real time mm-hmm. what we perceive is good there's the other side of it as well. so for every positive there's a negative for every negative there's a positive and that's that's something obviously I've learned through you know the the you know de martini uh methods um you know. Michael Johnson, Mojo Master. So obviously, that's the quantum physics aspect of it. That basically, regardless of what's happening, I know a lot of people are going to say that's that's bullshit because you know this happened to me and there's no good in that. But um, this is science. Is that yeah, fair? Yeah,
1: yeah. Well, one hundred percent. Well, if you have a look at it, everything in the universe is like within is in balance or looking to balance itself yeah. out. You can't escape it. Yeah. There's only four sciences on the planet that sell polarity right? That's, that's psychology, happy without sad. Theology is like heaven without power, or God without the devil, or whatever you want to say.
0: Yep.
1: Sociology is peace without war. And then there's health, which is like health without disease.
0: That's like a magnet, basically. You've got the, you've got the negative and the positive, and that, that stays true
1: mm-hmm. throughout everything.
0: Yep. Okay. Yep.
1: So, if you look at a magnet, it doesn't matter how many times you cut it down, it will still have the north and the south pole. Yep. Yeah. You can't remove it. There's no such thing as a one-sided pole.
0: Yeah. You
1: know, as an example for people on here, like the degree that you've tried to stay positive in your life is the degree that you've had negative thinking because it's in balance. The, the negative thinking that you have is a feedback system in order to let you know that, you, that your thinking isn't like your 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 addiction to the the one side, your addiction to the positive, is the thing that's actually driving the way that you feel negatively. Yeah. Um, so, so you can't escape it. Your psychology is doing it. Um, sorry.
0: Yeah, go on. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, so it's exactly like you said, it's like the magnet. A magnet will consistently try and draw in its opposite pole to balance itself out. Your, your charges in your brain or your perceptions are trying to, are doing the exact same thing. Yeah. It's trying to reveal to you the opposite side. Right. So, um, Yeah, it's a science.
0: So basically, we're we're, we're almost up to an hour now, right? Just before we, the last thing I want to talk (laughs) about is value systems, right? So we might have mentioned it briefly before. What is a value system and how does that play a part in our lives? And then can we actually change that? And what do people need to understand about their own value system so they can better understand themselves?
1: Well, the value system. Well, your value system is the core of your behavior. So, just trying to think how to start this because this this isn't a like you just asked me a question that's probably an hour long answer.
0: Does everyone have a value system?
1: Yeah. So every individual on the planet has a value system. You can't. You, you don't not have a value system. Yeah. Um, your value system is created from things that you perceive are missing within your life. Now, this can either be conscious or unconscious. Most people live with their value system. They are—they're not conscious of their value system. They're living their values, but it's unconscious. But they're not conscious of what they are. Right? There's reasons why you do the things that you do. So there's reasons why you. There's reasons why you spend all your time with your kids, and you feel fulfilled from that. There's reasons why you go to work. There's reasons why. Um, there's reasons why you that you've chosen the type of work that you do. It's because, well, generally, I'm not going to say all the time because you can also live outside your values or force yourself to live outside your values and that's where you have the most amount of emotional volatility versus living within your value system where you'd be more balanced um, in your thinking, your psychology, your physiology. Um, But every single human being on the planet has their own individual value system and they generally will identify by that. Right, so they'll identify themselves as as their value system, like who they are. So, if you like, like a really good way to understand, or a really quick way to understand, or to know your values is just to really have a look at what actions you take consistently over time. Like that's a, that's a that's a quick, fast tip in order for you to understand what it is that's most important to you. Mm-hmm. Now, what can happen is people can say. Well, my values are like honesty and integrity and love and things like that, which is what you know. If you you watch shows like um, Married at First Sight, and they have their yeah. specialists and stuff on there, they yes. yes. try to pair people up based on love and honesty, integrity, and all that sort of shit. Now, those things are like integrity is more of a like an ethical moral. It's like it's it's a moral type thing. It's a social norm. It's like everyone wants a person to be integral right so everyone nobody wants a person who tells them one thing and does another they want to know that the individual that they're speaking with is going to do exactly what they say yeah it it doesn't like every human being on the planet wants that you know like at the same time every human being wants people to be honest with them every human being wants um somebody who loves them yeah so so they're 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 like social norms. They're things that we just expect socially or, or what people want socially. But, what, but the, way actually, um, the way they actually work is we create those based on our value system. So if I'm a personal trainer and I have a high value on um, coaching clients and helping them achieve health results, and I have a client who's a, who's a mother <clears throat> and she's got a, she's a high value on her kids. Um, and let's say that, the, that she is labelled as unreliable by this personal trainer because she counsels her sessions because her kids are sick, right? She, he will perceive that she's, she, she lacks integrity, like she doesn't show up, right? But you ask her kids and her husband, that will say, well, she's integral. She's always there for us. She said she'll show up and she'll be there. Her reliability on that is based on her value system. Yeah. So her integrity and honesty, like she might still be honest with the PT by saying that, that she's going um, to, that, that, that she can't make it. But she also might also say to him that, oh, no, I'll be there next time. But then guess what happens? Her kids get sick and she's not there. So her integrity is based on her value system. She'll be integral to her value system. Anything that she commits to, to do with her kids, she'll be there
0: 100%. But unconsciously, she's always going to prioritize her kids, right? At an unconscious level, really. Yeah,
1: depending depending on the degree of pain that's created for her not to. Yeah.
0: yeah.
1: Right? So, but then the personal trainer, he gets pissed off because he's, his value system is challenged by someone who isn't, doesn't have the same values as her. Yeah. Uh, sorry, same values as him. Yeah. So he gets pissed right. off, projects under her, and perceives that she's unintegral. Yeah. Now, let's vice versa. Let's say he has a low value on kids. Yeah. Um, and he, he's a family man. He will prioritize his business and his his clients over his kids. Yeah. So the mother looks at him and goes, "How can he do that? How can he just like not prioritize his kids? Why is he Why is he at the gym? Right. Yeah. So she looks at him and judges him based on her values. Yeah. It's,
0: it's incredible. So, yeah. So basically, yeah, so saying- we, we, we don't understand, obviously, because other people's values are their values. So, you know, we're not in their mm-hmm. shoes. But we don't understand how they're prioritising, you know, their own life and what's most important to least important to them.
1: Yeah. Well, so well we do yeah. know. We do know it's just that most people don't, most people then project onto others. You know, if if, if this, this example here, if this individual keeps prioritizing her kids then you know her kids are a high value yeah if the personal trainer prioritizes his clients and educating and health results for his clients then you know that he's got a high value on that yeah um but then as individuals because remember going back where i spoke about perceptions we filter our reality through our value system and so sometimes we can't understand how they do that holy shit like what how can he do that how can he not like want to go and look after his kids Yep. Right, and then he's like, "How the hell can she like keep giving up her health? Yeah, to go and look after the kids? Can't you see it's? it's, Can't you see it's going to be detrimental?
0: You should do this, and you should do that."
1: (laughs) Yep. So when we we look at like the um, those ideas of what values are, that's just what they are. They're they're created through our values, right? So integrity, honesty, all those sorts of things. Love. We even give love based on our values. so they're all created through our value system. Um, so our values are basically um, we either live them unconsciously um, or we live them consciously when we, co- we become aware of them. Um, but they're, they're created from voids throughout our life. And so when I say voids, I, I mean things that we perceive are missing within our life at some yeah. point along the journey. So I mentioned right at the start about how I, how I asked that question with Claire. Like, how could she do this? Yeah. Like, why would you do this? It was like that created a void in me. It's like, it's a question I've been asking my whole life, trying to figure that out. There's another point in my life where, well, I know where most of them are now. Um, there was another one to do with like my emotional stability, like wanting to understand that was a moment when I was a child as well, um, where I was laying in bed and I was calling out to mom and dad. Um, and I was crying, but no one came to me. Yeah. Right. And so that was the point where like I, I I started to explore like how to become more like emotionally adapt without needing the support. You know, which is why I kind of do what I do now. And even most of the things that I do, I kind of look at them in a degree of like not manage, but well, I'll just say manage like manage. So those voids have consistently been there. Now, most people have never explored to discover these things. Yeah. Now, these things might have seemed like pains in the past, but they're, but they're not. They've created a drive for me. Um, so I didn't know they learned like some of them only just really, like, really pinpointed out in the last like six months. It's taken me a long time to figure this out these things out that this okay, this is the initial point where I started like look for that. So you that so the void might be like um so like the the void for with Claire in that moment was like understanding why people do what they do. Yeah. Okay, well, well what probably, still yeah. like the human behavior path. So that's like my value. I have Definitely, a value
0: on probably worth doing another I'm gonna get you back to the podcast just on values, I reckon, because I mean, you know, we're just scratching the surface here, like, right? you know, really understanding, you know, how you prioritize things from uh not just the conscious level but a subconscious level as well, I think it's going to be invaluable, you know, for mm-hmm. our audience here because, you know, people listening to this obviously that they, they they want to go to another level in their life, like they're they're stuck in, in a certain area. That could be any area, it could be their health, it could be their, you know, relationship fitness. Um mm-hmm whatever it is, and I think understanding, I guess, why they're, they're, um, they perceive things the way they are through their value system is going to give them tremendous value, I reckon. So, mm-hmm. yeah, what are we now? We're, we're, we're just over the hour mark, so I just want to... Give...
1: No, I've got no idea, mate. I reckon um, the last <laughs> podcast I did went for like two hours.
0: So. <laughs> yeah. What I want to do, I want to I give people a chance to obviously... To hit you up? Like where where do people find you, Justin? Like where do yeah. they where, so there's
1: where, of, Yeah, there's a couple of spots. So um Instagram, which is yep. just that Justin Wiseman Coach. Yep. And then just on Facebook. So just Justin William Wiseman on Facebook. We'll uh, it's not a business below page, below. it's just a yep. personal page. Yep.
0: We'll put, um, pardon? we'll put the links below as well so people can uh can hit you up.
1: Yeah, cool. Cool. All Thanks, right. Bro. Bro.
0: Yeah, man. Look, I mean, yeah, so much there, so much content, so much to uncover. I'd love to get you back specifically just to sort of unpack what values are and how they actually work and how people can actually just, one, just understand it. Right. Because until I, I literally heard about it and I understood, wow, I've got a value system here where I'm, I'm doing stuff that I didn't even realize I was, I was actually doing. From most important to least important in my life, you know. By understanding that that that's I'm wired a certain way, that that's that's going to be my behaviour. I think from there, then you can you can actually make you know incremental changes, you know, mm-hmm. to, to that behaviour if you want to. If if that's what you want, you know, if, if if you're after changing one area of your life, I think that's a starting point. Do you agree with that?
1: Yeah, I think values are the core, fundamental thing that that everyone needs to know. Yeah. It's the reason why you do what you do. It's the reason why you feel challenged. It's the reason yeah. why you feel supported. Like everything, everything internally and in your external world stems from understanding those core drivers, the individual values that you have. Um, everything stems from that. Yeah. Your actions, your behaviors, your reliability, your, your, you know, like there's so many things that are related to values that just aren't spoken about in the mainstream. Um, in fact, they're probably misspoken about, I would say in the yeah. mainstream that are actually values byproducts. You know, yep. but when you have a look at that psychology, still talking about honesty, integrity, trust, all those things as value systems, you know why they're behind the eight ball on that.
0: Yeah, yeah. And then maybe we'll do another one, COVID as well.
1: Yeah, I can do hey, that. What do you reckon? Do that. <laughs> yeah.
0: That's polarizing right now. So what we're, we're recording this in, what is it? The 12th of September, 2021. Yep. So maybe we'll come back to that in about three to six months time. And we'll do one just on COVID as well. I'm down for that. Yeah, yeah. We'll do, I could that. do one
1: on COVID. I could do one on COVID
0: now. Oh no, you could, mate. We'll be here for another hour just talking about COVID. We <laughs> oh, cool. an hour before we push play as well before we start
1: recording. And, <laughs> <yeah>. uh, well, <laughs> well, we probably cool, should have started
0: recording when we were when we had that discussion. But yeah, it's. Uh, yeah. Gee, it's a polarizing topic, man. This, this this COVID, you know, there's there's pro-vax, anti-vax, there's. Yeah, and and again, it's all it all comes back to our values and our belief systems, you know, as mm-hmm. well. So, understand different where different other people are coming from, we won't have the division that we've got, and I think we'll be able to have better discussions too with people that disagree with us. And I think you know, just because someone disagrees with you, we um, shouldn't necessarily just cut them off and and give them a label. We should, I, don't, I think, we should engage in conversation so we can learn from from their side as well, you know, as well as our side. So, but yeah, man, honestly, look, thanks a lot, man, for your time. Um, awesome content. I know you, I, I, I regard you highly as one of the, you know, the human behavior specialists, one of the best human behavior spe- specialists that I've come across and um, yeah, we're going to do this again, mate. So awesome. Well, thanks for having me on brother. It's nah,
1: nice. No worries, man. Look, I'll, thanks, I'll, um, I'll, 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 I'll put it, my own clock up next time so I can try and keep myself in check. <laughs>
0: yeah. Trying to keep them sort of 45 minutes. We've gone sort of just over an hour, but it's all good, brother.
1: Done.
0: <laughs> but thank you very much, man. Awesome.
1: Thanks, man.
0: Thanks, guys. Hey,
1: guys.
0: Thanks so much for listening, guys. If you got value from this, show us some love. Give us a thumbs up and a subscribe. We look forward to bringing you so much more content in the future. And remember that each and every one of us does have our own limitless potential.